1: Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at Poor Richard's Cafe located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglin. Um, spring football is in the books, guys, so with the first chapter of the high school football offseason having been uh, having been written, let's uh, let's take a look at just how our teams are doing heading into the summer. So um, we're going to adopt this format for the next few podcasts. We're going to go district by district. We're going to just, dis- just discuss two districts each episode, one 5A and one 6A. We're just kind of offering up a cursory look at kind of where our uh, our respective football teams are at At this juncture of the offseason And we are going to start over in 5A There's really no rhyme or reason To the format or order of this This is just, you know, we had the three of us in the office So why not? Let's uh, let's wax philosophical about District 7-5A, Division 2 And just as, as a refresher Because the football districts in 5A Are different from the districts for every other sport That is the district that has the four smallest Frisco ISD schools So Reedy, Frisco High, Lebanon Trail, and Memorial It has Lake Dallas, Lovejoy, and then Denison, Princeton, and Braswell, Hatton-Denton. Those last three, Denison, Princeton, Braswell, we'll get to them at a later juncture and whatnot. We're going to focus on the ones that are at least most near and dear to our coverage area. So, um... You know, 7 8 Division II last year, this was a district that was at least heading in kind of defined by three teams. You know, Reedy, Lake Dallas, Lovejoy, and then you had a nice little Cinderella story over at Frisco High and what they were able to do. Um, but nevertheless, the biggest off-season storyline in this district, I think, without a question, is that you had three, maybe... On, how many districts, period, last year had a better top three quarterbacks than Reedy's Josh Foskey, Lake Dallas's Ryan Depperschmidt, and Lovejoy's Carson Collins? Pretty tough to find. So, um, But nevertheless, those three quarterbacks have all graduated so you have three programs that all made the playoffs last year that could have very different looks to them mm-hmm. well, heading into next uh, heading into next fall but if our, um, you know, if the early uh, offseason uh, gleanings are any indication, it appears that at least one of them yeah. might be a little bit better suited than the others. So, Taylor, what have you been uh, picking up on Lovejoy right now?
2: Well, I was out at their uh, their spring game last Friday, their final scrimmage. It was mm-hmm. really, you know, kind of less structured than than some of the ones I've been to. But in any case, their, their official spring game in last practice. And one guy had a white jersey on and a sea of, of black and mm-hmm. red, and that was Ralph Rucker. And, and his name has been all over the Lovejoy Athletic Program in a multitude of sports. Wrestling, very prominent. Um, Baseball, you know, starts in the outfield. Huge part of that baseball team. Huge part of the football team Mm -hmm. last season. You know, not obviously under center with Carson Collins, but um, you know, in the secondary and, and other places. So, it's, it's it's he hasn't committed, and and I say he, I mean head coach Todd Ford. He won't commit to saying that you know this is going to be our guy. There's no competition, but he did say that you know if they were to play some magical game on on May mm-hmm. you know 29th when we're recording this, Ralph Rucker's the starter. He was the only guy in a white jersey <laughs> out at the spring game, and and based on what I've seen, and what you've seen out at seven on seven, mm-hmm. where he already led them to a uh, state qualification in seven on seven. He's going to be the guy. Yeah. You know, he's a, a pure athlete, a, a lot more mobile, I think, than Carson Collins was. To Collins' credit, came back from knee injury, tried to kind of integrate that into his game a little bit, but Rucker brings a whole new dimension, just being so athletic. Made some really good throws at the spring game, some really long throws, looked really good, and that's a guy that hadn't really practiced with the football team, because the baseball team made a run to the third round, so... You know, it's it's uh, you know as as Lake Dallas, who we'll get to searches, as Reedy potentially searches for for their replacements. It seems like Lovejoy you know, may not have to uh, look far for, for theirs.
1: That was one of the big things, because like you mentioned, I was out looking at uh, some 7-on-7, seven seven, covering that out in, uh, out in Hurst over the weekend, and in 7-on-7, seven seven, you know, you have to apply the obvious caveats, because it's not actual 11-on-11 11 11 right. football and whatnot, and even for a player like Rucker, I mean, it kind of hamstrings his, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess the, you know, the the totality of his mm-hmm. skill set, because you're just a pocket passer, yep. like Ralph Rucker coming from the secondary last year, you imagine there's going to be an element of speed to his game. I But nevertheless, like you can, you can kind of tell which um, you know if you're a competent quarterback in seven on seven, it generally means that you're going to hold your own you know in the fall. And I mean. You know, I was because I well, I went in that thinking like I mean they lost Carson Collins they mm-hmm. lost Jackie Rainey, they lost a score of receivers I mean mm-hmm. just what's that offense even going to look like and for them to already less than twenty four hours after their spring game turn right around and um, not miss a beat in uh, in seven on seven I mean not just Ralph Rucker but um his top wideout at the very least at the uh, the SQT uh, Reed Westervelt those mm-hmm. two just tore up Mesquite poteet in their semifinal game um, so who knows what the potential is there but yeah Lovejoy's offense averaged almost thirty. Eight points per game yep. in uh, in seven on seven plays. So um, some very strong stuff from uh, from Rucker and uh, in the Lovejoy offense. Um, so Reedy, I mean, with Josh Foskey graduating, um, are they still searching for a quarterback? It sounds like though they might have a potential heir apparent. In- well,
3: things are interesting because okay. in January, with uh, the news of of John Kitna getting hired onto the staff of the Cowboys and Reedy being right down the street from the star. Well, John's son, Jalen Kidna, who's going to be a junior, he's in a fierce uh, QB battle with AJ Pageant. Okay, over at Reedy. I don't know. I wasn't told by Coach uh, Cole who is in the lead. That you know they're both you know right.
1: You'd expect that mostly these coaches are going to keep it
3: close for sure. To the best. for sure. For sure, they're not going to release that kind of stuff until you know maybe July or August. But you got to think, you know, a kid six foot three with the name of the last name of a, a former starting quarterback in the NFL, longtime quarterback, uh, and Jalen Kidney, you got to think he could be the frontrunner mm-hmm. there. So maybe, you know, the heir apparent to Josh Foskey, who set the bar very high uh, for that program three years as a the starter. There's going to be a lot of new faces uh, for Reedy uh, next season. Um, they're getting two baseball guys that they had with the program as freshmen. They're going to be juniors next year in Dalton Beck and Josh Hernandez. And Coach Cole is really high on these guys. He says they're two phenomenal athletes. Uh, Beck expected to start at cornerback. Josh Hernandez expected to be one of the guys at receiver. And then, of course, you got to replace that offensive line. You yes. still have Nate Anderson there with five-star recruit, just committed to OU a few weeks ago. He Sooner. is a monster. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the state. You know, but you graduate Isaiah Floyd, probably the strongest kid in in all of uh, Frisco. He squatted over 800 pounds at the weightlifting meet uh, earlier this year. They have to replace him. Uh, Jason Myers, you know, a bunch of guys you have to replace. But, uh, you know, you still have Nate Anderson, and it still helps that you have the district MVP. And Will Harbor, mm-hmm. Will Harbor. I'm That's told right. he's lost about 10 pounds, gone from 230 to 220 this off season. So he's even quicker. Just you know, he's a he's a bulldozer. Uh, but you know, now these I'm I'm hearing he's shredded now. How so, many positions
1: he going to play this? He's going to play all of the positions, as <laughs> many as <laughs> possible. they positions. Just so Will on, Harbor to he he
3: might be the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll just throw it to himself yeah. and run down, run down and get it. But now, yeah, Will Harbor, he's the mm-hmm. kicker, starting linebacker, and. Uh, Goal line, Wildcat quarterback, uh, Faridi, District MVP. So expect a monster year from him, and he's kind of been getting offers lately. Finally getting noticed That's good. during the season, he wasn't really getting the looks that he maybe should have been getting or felt like he deserved, and that was kind of weighing on weighing on him a little bit. But now, you know, those he's starting to get noticed. He's starting to get that you know, well, much deserved recognition, and it's kind of relieving his yeah. his, his the stress on his shoulders a little bit. So. I'd expect, you know, obviously great things from Will Harbor next year.
1: A cursory Google search of Jalen Kitna shows that he has offers currently from Boston College, Colorado, and Tennessee. So three, uh, yeah, three You'd like to say he'll schools. be the
3: starter next year. Showing me
1: some promises, I believe. Well, now, where did he go last year? Was it some school in Arizona or... Whatnot. But, um, nevertheless, yeah. So, either way, I mean, the bar is still, it's still very high for, uh, you know, for Reedy. Just when yeah. you consider what they did last year now, are they able to, is this where this is what Reedy's going to be now going forward? Or- I, I think they'll be able
3: to maintain, maybe not on the same level as, hey, we almost beat Alito in yeah, the fourth this was, round. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is
1: a team that went, what, four rounds deep and was ranked top 10 in the state. Oh, yeah. and Lost by 10 to Alito. Really? No other, other, really r- out of nowhere, it seemed like. So, essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when they had the, the
3: biggest, baddest offensive line yeah. and that I had seen, you know. Uh, but they also need to replace their defensive line. Yeah, You know, guys like Clay Patterson, Matthew Hoots, guys that want superlatives, were first-team all-district guys, you know, they have to replace that entire unit, but he's really high on their safeties, led by Ryan Jones and Darius Blackman. Uh, that secondary is going to be big. Michael Swope, the younger brother of the Swopes, uh, one that went to Frisco, <laughs> the other one that went to Reedy. They played against each other in the same game a couple of years ago. Uh, now the youngest brother of those. Michael, he's coming in he looks to be the starter at the linebacker position Uh, so that defense, uh, Coach Cole is really high on you know, last year it was that offensive running game, the you know the offensive line, yada yada yada. Uh, but it looks like that defense is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year.
1: I Meanwhile, with Lake Dallas, you know that's the thing I like about these is all three of these situations, as far as replacing quarterbacks, there's such a different narrative yep. to all three of them. And with Lake Dallas right now, like you know, I, th- I feel like they're probably the least certain right now. It's oh, yeah. Just among these three, as far as what their plan is. Um, I mean, listen, they've got there's two options in play, and a lot of this revolves revolves. around what are they going to do with Brandon Engel, Mm -hmm. who is, I think it's fair to say that he is their most explosive playmaker, no matter what position he is deployed at. But um, so for the last two years, we've all known Brandon Engel as one of the, as the top receiver on that team. He was, I believe, an all, uh, you know, he made our all-area team. He was one of the best, you know, receivers in the 5A Metroplex last year. Gave him what, 62 receptions, almost 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. I mean, he was just a monster out wide. He was also one of their backup quarterbacks. And he has been for the last couple of years, you know. Um, so that's kind of another question heading into the off season. In the wake of Ryan Depreschman graduating, um, what are they going to do? Are you going to put Brandon Angle back there? He's in a competition with Kyle Nielsen and Trevor Moon, um, who are more, you know, quarterback, right. you know, specific as far as where they could be deployed. But it's basically that's the question for like Dallas: which situation makes their offense operate best? Yep. Do you have Angle at quarterback and? A bunch of question marks out wide because they are really low on experience. Um, you know, outside of you know, they're starting running back. You know, IK on the query and a couple offensive linemen. Everyone else graduated. That's been. A, I mean, Lake Dallas has not had to incur many off seasons like this, where they have had this many seniors graduating. So, are you better, you know, putting Angle as your quarterback and then just trying to find some names to step up at receiver, or do you keep Angle at his primary position, at a wide receiver, where you know what you get? You know, you get one of the top receivers. In the uh, in the Metroplex, and then you know go with either Nielsen or Moon, who are you know largely unproven at the position. Nielsen attempted ten passes last year as a backup, and roll with that at quarterback. It really is the uh, the million dollar question for Lake Dallas, and probably you know no pressure or anything, but the one that will define their season.
2: Oh, absolutely, because you want to look. I mean, it's the age old question of I have this guy that I yeah. want with the football. Mm-hmm. How do I get this man the football? Yeah. And if it's you know, it, I think I would probably lean toward leaving him out wide if you can get either one of those other guys Mm -hmm. to develop to the point where you can be decent at getting him the football because he's just so dynamic and so dangerous out wide and and does so much to impact, you know, an entire defensive look Mm -hmm. because you have to account for him. But If, if you don't feel comfortable with either of those two guys, you know, come August to the point where you feel like they can even be serviceable, then... You know, who's the guy that handles the ball on every play. Then you put him there and say, Okay, you're handling the ball every play, go make magic and do Brandon Engel things and, and we're gonna lean completely on you.
1: Yeah, if the goal is just to simply just maximize the number of reps that Brandon Engel will get, obviously, no matter if it's pass or the run, the ball always starts in the quarterback's hands. So you could go that route. Um, but yeah, that's cause I mean when I say that they are gonna be they're inexperienced at wideout, I mean if you take angle away from that receiving core, I tabbed yeah, you know, I added up the numbers, that means Lake Dallas will be without ninety five point five percent of their receptions yep. from last wow. year and ninety five point six percent of their receiving yardage from last year and guess what most of that remaining five percent belongs to running backs yep see <laughs> so, yeah, i mean like i said mm-hmm. they are going to be so low on experience at receivers. so yeah it, it's it's a fascinating riddle but i mean yeah if you look at them um, just years past because that's the thing about you know the the, the case you made taylor um Lake Dallas has a really, really strong history of quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Like for being such a small school, you know, you really wouldn't think of that, you know, as much. But you look at their lineage, you know, especially under Coach Young. And I think it was, you know, Tim Glaze, you know, our our old Lake City Sun sports reporter. He, um, I believe, in one time he uh, he likened uh, he called Coach Young a quarterback whisperer <laughs> of sorts. And you look at just their lineage. I mean, you go all the way back to just you know within the past ten years, guys like James Franklin, who went on to play in the CFL. After a really exemplary career at Missouri, uh, Dalen Williams was one of the most accomplished quarterbacks ever at Dartmouth. Uh, Dagan Hain, who led them to the state semifinals his senior year, and then we're just coming off the run of Ryan mm-hmm. Deprishman, who was just raking in all district accolades and superlatives. Um, yeah, I mean, so they they have really really good quarterback play historically. So is that where you just say you trust that you know, even if you go with uh, you know Nielsen or Moon, who don't have mm-hmm. experience at the position, that they'll be able to be coached up enough right. to where they can just fit in seamlessly to the that uh, you know to that offense the way that so many of their predecessors have it's um it's fascinating but uh yes uh yeah so Lake Dallas Reedy Lovejoy all with different uh, different questions lingering at the quarterback position. Um, Elsewhere in Frisco ISD, Um, a bit of a uh, was was there only was Frisco the only team to change its head coach during the offseason? They were at least among the ones that we cover. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the Vance Gibson era comes to an end, and um, the Wing T doesn't though. Wing T's not going anywhere. No, that's going to be the same old Mm -hmm. Frisco team. You know, Jeff uh, Jeff Harbert uh,
3: takes over. He's been at Frisco for fourteen years. He was a defensive coordinator for the last Mm -hmm. nine. Okay, it's you know he's the next in line. you know, from Vance Gibson's uh, coaching lineage, and you know he, they they return all their skill kids is what he told me when he took the job a few months ago. They're going to have to replace some guys on that offensive line, but when you think of Frisco football, especially in that offense, you I think not
1: picture it any other way. No, yeah. no,
3: they they threw the ball a, a good amount of times, uh, about a handful of times. I think it was against Sulphur Springs, mm-hmm. one of the playoff games, either them against South Oak Cliff. I was at both games, and I was shocked. And I knew it was working for a little bit, but yeah, no. When you see them throw the ball more than Four times in a game, it's you know pigs are about to start flying across the stadium. Uh, Yeah, they just do so many different things. You know, putting guys in motion. You don't know who they're going to hand the ball off to. Expect much of the same of that. It was just such a good bounce back year for Frisco. You know, Cinderella story, finishing seven and five, making the playoffs, winning a playoff game also. And then you know they ran into a really 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 good South Oak Cliff team. Not many teams were going to beat them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I expect much of the same. They're not much of a new identity. But there's a couple other Frisco schools that I think will have a very different look yeah. next season. Uh, first, one of them being Memorial. Uh, Memorial, uh, I talked to Coach uh, Derek Roberson uh, earlier this week. He is already telling me they look very different from when they looked uh, the ball last summer mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot bigger they're, one of the strengths of this team is a bunch of tall receivers they have you know some receivers that are uh, upwards of six foot three um, uh, led by Jacoby Bullock, who has an offer from Kansas. They didn't have guys like that <laughs> going into last season. Um, there's a QB battle also between Charlie Flowers, who played QB most of the year last year. Lanky, long, six foot two guy, led them to that win against Lebanon Trail, their only win of the year last year. Really the only game that they were in right. uh, all of last year. And then they also have Gavin Gates, six foot two. He referred to him as the belldozer uh, back from, oh. you know, yeah, o- the OU guy. Blake Bell. So, yeah, he, he he, uh, it. he compared him to Blake Bell, yeah. uh, so they might use him in goal line packages if he's not that full time starter. And also, freshman QB, or he was a freshman last year uh, for the freshman team, Ethan Lawler, he stood out. So three way battle uh, for the QB position there. But yeah, he just said they're going to be more physical and our bodies look different. So and it's a lot of the same with Lebanon Trail, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but they don't know who their quarterback's going to be either because Lucas Rexon, who played and started much of the year last year. He's been battling with, with blood clots, and he's oh, been yeah. out. He's been out indefinitely. That's yeah, so their, their main concern with him is just making sure he's okay, make mm-hmm. sure he's healthy. Um, so right now the QB battle for them is between Drew Morton and Alec Zaria, two guys that I, I've actually played you know at that position last year when they were kind of carouseling, carouseling a bunch of guys around. Uh, and it will be a running back by committee, uh, Princeton Parker, Isaiah Jackson, Zarian Kelly. will kind of run that workload there. But a player to watch for Lebanon Trail. Uh, he finished third, I believe it was in the – Four hundred. One. I don't remember which event it was, but he's he's one of the fastest. Uh Fastest guys in in the district, according to uh, Coach Saw Sa Jackson. Drew Dudley, player to watch. Six foot two, going to be a junior. Mm-hmm. So Lebanon Trail Memorial, they're going to look. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, win X amount of games or win the district, or I'm not saying that. But they're they're going to be in some games next year. They're not going to be getting blown out by 40, 50 points. You know, week in and week out.
1: I mean, it wouldn't be without precedent because that's the thing about Frisco ISD is when these young athletic programs get good, it's it's like quick. that. Like in, you think in, of Independence it, with Dom. Done. Williams. Exactly. It's just what I was thinking. Independence with Don Williams, what Reedy did this past year, what Lone Star did, you know, three, four years ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. making it to state. It just comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, even though Memorial and Lebanon Trail are both in the infant stages of their programs, history suggests that if one of them does break out, it's going to come quickly. Yeah. I'm I'm fascinated to see just how different this district looks because I don't think think the narrative is going to be very, very different than it was at this time last year in
3: this district. I won't be surprised if you see Memorial and Lebanon Trail in the playoffs next season. Mm-hmm. not this upcoming season but you know a pretty high playoff spot next year.
1: should be fun and that is a look at uh, at least right now where things stand in district 75A Division two. Um, let's do a quick line change bring on Devin Hassan to talk some 106A, a little Rowlett and Saxy, and we will pick that up in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back to continue uh, wrapping up some spring football. We've got Devin Hazen here as we talk our first 6A district. Um, we're going to talk ten five a Devin Hassan, the Garland ISD aficionado that he is, here to chime in on Rowlett in Saxey, the two uh, primary teams um, out in that neck of the woods for him um, in a district that has largely been dominated by those two for some time now, uh, particularly Saxon. Yeah. And you know, we, coaches always you know offer up the disclaimer during the spring that you know none of none of what you see is final. You know, there's still plenty of uh, you know positional battles that could change and whatnot before now in August, and no team probably embodied that last year quite like Saxon. Which whatever they were in the spring, it sure as heck was not what they were. You know when the playoffs began last season. So um yeah, I mean after what it was a, a really bizarre season for Saxi, it they, still wound up ultimately culminating in a you know another eight win season, undefeated in district. So a lot of the usual benchmarks. But um yeah, I mean what's the read on where the Mustangs are at right now, heading it, into the off season? It was I think. Um it was certainly unconventional
4: because they didn't change their identity just once. They changed their identity three or four different times. They were chameleons uh, during yes. the first during the first month, and, and it was it was partly due to inexperience at the quarterback position. Yeah. It was partly due to injury, um, but they were just trying to mix and match and find things that worked. But the thing was, they used four different quarterbacks within the first four games, but all of them had very different styles mm-hmm. until they finally settled on Derek Rose, who that was actually a converted wide receiver. Um, who I thought stepped in and did a great job. One of the one of the big reasons they moved him back there was because with a young offensive line, uh, those quarterbacks weren't getting much time to throw. Yeah. Uh, well, Derek Rose could sit back there and, and show that he's a heck of a passer, but he's also, he was probably their best athlete or, or top three athlete on that team last mm-hmm. year. So when the pocket did break down, he could escape and make plays on his own, which is what they've had in the mold of Jalen Maiden and, and, and Kit Myers and that for several yeah. years. Um so he kind of fit what they've been doing in terms of having a, a true dual threat. Um, they're kind of going into this fall or, or just completing this spring uh, kind of facing the same questions in terms of what's their identity going to be on, on offense. I mean, they, uh, this is a team that's won three straight undefeated district championships, 19 games in a row overall, uh, but they lost 41 Letterman. And a lot of those were wow. college-bound kids uh, that will be playing in several D1 at, at that. Uh, so they have eight starters back in the fold. Uh, I mentioned the quarterback battle. Uh, Xavier Foreman, uh, the senior, was one of those guys that, that got an early look. Uh, Junior Parker Wells, I mm-hmm. think, is a guy to keep an eye on as well. Uh, that's a, a guy that the coaches think uh, has potentially Division One talent, but certainly talent, the, the, the tools to move on and play at the college level. Okay. Um, but both of those guys, again, they kind uh, of you know, dip their toe in the waters. But it's going to be really uh, cur- interesting to see what that happens when either one or both is thrown to the fire because, again, this actually did rotate last year yeah. uh, to compound things Say's had a hu- a deep receiving core in recent years and that's not the case just here. Cameron Quinn got a little bit experience, but you look at guys like Jaden Hunter uh, and Tristan Turner. These guys are JV guys that are getting their first taste of varsity action. Mm-hmm. So that passing game is going to be a work in progress. Uh, fortunately for Saxey, uh, they do return Miles Nash at uh, running back. Um, he's a D1 prospect. You know, rushed for 745 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, can also catch the ball out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And probably the strength uh, of that uh, of that team right now on offense is the offensive line. I mentioned that last year they were so young, Well, you know, those guys uh, now have a few skins on the wall, and uh, Javon Ellison, Braylon Williams, and Ricardo Ochoa uh, were full-time starters as sophomores, mm-hmm. and so they're coming in with a year of experience under their belt. Uh, Jacob Morrow got the call up late last season, made a couple starts, so I think that running game for Saks is where they're going to lean early on as they, like we talked about, try to establish mm-hmm. that identity with at uh, the quarterback position.
1: It is odd how I like that. Last year, all that, just that quarterback carousel, it kind of turns into almost a bit of a blessing in disguise because at least you're not throwing someone out there who has just no clue what to expect yeah. competing at the varsity level I mean Foreman attempted 45 passes last year I mean that's meaningful varsity experience
4: he did and, and but a lot of it like I say was uh, early on and late in the season from where Derek Rose didn't yeah. come in too late and then he got hurt missed a couple games uh, late in the season as well uh, and so you know a lot of that was not it was with changing game plan and so mm-hmm. you know with a full year of offseason kind of understanding that hey these are likely to be our two guys our two candidates um, I'm, I'm interested to see you know the way they've kind of developed or changed the game plan uh, to, to fit both these guys' skill sets and how that translates into whoever wins the starting role in the, in the
1: fall. But Sexy does traditionally, the, uh, they do traditionally reload fairly well in the face of losing a lot of you know key players, at least in recent years they have. Yeah. I'm curious if that same logic applies to Rowlett because it feels like that theory is going to be tested when you look at um, another program that graduated a lot of talented seniors. I was just combing back through the 10-6-A uh, the all-district list and um, of the 17 kids that Rowlett had, Name between the first and second teams. 14 of them are gone. Yeah. So, including, I mean, quarterback Chase DePaul, running back Chauncey Amos, uh, wide receiver Jerry Evans. So, another program that is going to have a very different look.
4: Yeah, and that, that, that's a, a backfield that produced more than 3,000 yards last year. Wow. <laughs> uh, between DePaul and, and, and Amos, and you mentioned Jerry Evans. Um you know, they have eight returning starters overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, they lost a ton of all district guys on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, you know, Alex route, uh, was a kid at quarterback that had a chance to see, uh, come in kind of for some mop up duty at the end last year. Um, didn't have to they didn't ask him to throw the ball much but uh, he he's, was impressive with his legs with mm-hmm. the ability to uh, turn a broken play and, and, and make a play out of it so um, he's kind of the guy they're looking at right now again it's kind of hard to gauge his passing skills because he simply wasn't asked to do it last year yeah um, you know CJ Hunt was a guy that got some some action in the backfield uh, he could be ready to step into that one of those roles although Rowlett has traditionally kind of used a committee approach even if they do have a feature back they still have their guys that, that, that help to tote their off back there uh, Antonio Hull returning wide receiver is big for them yeah. but it, it gives them a deep threat he's a guy that averages 20 yards uh, per reception so you know they'll be looking for way, different ways to get the ball in his hands. Uh, there's a couple guys, Jawanee uh, Newton and Colton Yarbrough, who could both contribute at running back uh, and wide receiver. But uh, you know the offensive line is is young. They obviously have one returning starter coming back. Uh, and on defense, I mentioned I think I think they'll be okay up front with guys like Jeremiah Franks and, and Chris Lockett. But that back seven is going to feature a lot of new faces, uh, guys that uh, are getting they, that they took a good look at during the spring. But those fa- final decisions are not going to be made mm-hmm. probably till the week of the, the start of the season wow. in August. Um, but again, this is a rally-up program that's made the playoffs 14 years in a row. Okay. When you have a streak like that, that proves... Now, some of those teams have been 9-1, Type teams, some of them have been six and four type teams, but the, the the fact that they've been able to find a way to make the playoffs year and year out shows that they ha- do have talents in the younger ranks and mm-hmm. they have been able to to reload enough to keep that streak alive.
1: Okay, so with Rowland and Saxie and uh, you know, and obviously different a uh, nice little different Rubik's cube for either program. You know, heading into the uh, into the summer, um, if you look at the rest of 10-6A, um, and I don't, we don't have to go you know too deep into this to want you to just you know say stuff now that you'll just regurgitate later on in August when we do our actual district preview. But if there was one team whether it's Wiley, whether it's one of those other Garland ISD programs that has had a bit of an encouraging offseason, might be primed to make a leap next year. Um, who's kind of on your radar in that respect?
4: Well, in, in terms of contending for a district title, I would say Lakeview. Okay. Um, this is a Lakeview team that made the playoffs in 2016 and 2017, missed last year a because they lost their starting quarterback the first week of the season. Um but, you know, they've been close. If you look, they lost a the 49-38 to, to Saxe last year in a game where Saxe had a rally. You go back and look at the last couple of years against Rowlett, they lost 46-42. to 42. They lost in that 63-62 overtime game. Um, so they've been close to knocking off the two kind of bell cows of that Garland ISD district. And you look at what they return, you just look at the all-district list. Uh, Kamar Wheaton, offensive Sophomore of the Year, uh, I thought one of the most electric players I saw all last year. And I can say that going back to his freshman campaign. You know, averaged seven yards a carry, rushed for 1100 Yards, and then you look at the defensive side, uh, Ikechiku, uh, Iwana. Hope I got that even close. Oh, it's the <laughs> defensive sophomore of the year, but um. You know, So they have, they have those two guys back in the fold who are already established standouts, a guy like Ed White at tight end, uh, the deep side of the ball, Victor Smith, Garnett Burke, and, and Ja'Cory Tarver in the, in the, in the back. Mm-hmm. So when you just look at it on paper in terms of returning co- contributors who have proven themselves at the varsity mm-hmm. level, I think Lakeview probably has uh, the most, I guess, ready-made to, to step in there in August and get, and get going.
1: Okay, and there you go. And that's a look at uh, right now kind of where, uh, where things stand for a few programs in District uh, Ten Six a And that'll wrap up this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, Devin, thanks for swinging by, buddy. Ditto to uh, Taylor Ragland and Brian Murphy. Uh, We'll have two more districts for you at the start of next week as we continue to uh, check in on where our high school football teams stand heading into summertime. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com.